Hello, and welcome to the Space Coast Pet Podcast, the podcast for pets and the people who love them. Now, here's your host, veterinarian Dr. Roger Welton. Greetings, pet lovers. Happy Thursday morning, and welcome to the Space Coast Pet Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Roger Welton, a.k.a. Dr. Roger, licensed and practicing veterinarian. Thank you for tuning in today. Uh, we have had a really nice run of listener-inspired topics uh, delivered via email. I've been very excited about that. And we continue our run today. What an excellent topic. It's something that's very relevant to my life right now. It is about old doggo arthritis, quoting directly from the subject of the email sent by Kate from Houston. So let's dive right into it. We have probably at no other better time in veterinary medicine such incredible tools to handle arthritis. Those of us who have had old doggos uh, and old kitty cats certainly have seen the kind of slow tragedy of the inability to move around. It starts with some stiffness, generally will go to shifting lameness. We just see them slow down with age, and eventually, as in the case of my own dog, my my beautiful brindle, Pity, who I just adore, um, he's now even starting to drop some deuces around the house, you know, that would be stool, that just, uh, you know, he's got no control over, and, you know, it's, 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 it's sad to see, but there's things we can do to mitigate that, both from a holistic point of view a natural point of view, and then at some point, you know, we don't want to make them be heroes. We want to step in with some pharmaceutical help to make sure we maintain their quality of life. So let's let's hear what Kate had to say. Hi, Dr. Roger. My name is Kate. I have three dogs and a small flock of backyard chickens in Houston. I enjoy your show and listen to you on Sundays. That's awesome. My oldest dog, Owen, is a lab pit rescue, at least 16 years old, weighing in around 35 pounds, a healthy weight for his build, but not under or overweight. As with most old dogs, one of the most challenging aspects of his aging has been keeping him comfortable and engaged while dealing with his arthritis, mostly in his hips and shoulders. While our dog does see our vet regularly and take medications for his arthritis, I would love to hear your thoughts on different ways to help our dogs with arthritis or things when they are younger to help lessen the severity. Thank you for helping so many pets. All the best, Kate. Kate, thank you so much for this contribution. And I jumped right on this email because, again, it, it got it so relevant in clinical practice. It's something I deal with several times a day in my appointments and and so relevant in my life, as I stated with my old boy. Um, I I like that you mentioned that you raise chickens. Um, I don't know if you hear uh, my listeners here chirping in the background (laughs) in my little uh, home studio here. I'm raising ducklings that are not quite old enough to go outside in their enclosure. So uh, I hope it doesn't annoy you or distract you too much. But yeah, you're hearing three ducklings. They are beautiful. I am obsessed with ducks and uh, I raise them and uh, just keep them as pets. And one of the big joys of my life is raising my ducks. <laughs> so Kate, I'm sure you enjoy your, your chickens as much as I enjoy my ducks. So let's get into arthritis. So let, let's talk about what, what is arthritis. So I think what we're going to get into is like, you know, sort of your your typical osteoarthritis, which is wear and tear on the joints, certain inflammatory 
uh, immune messenger molecules are triggered in the body's ill-fated attempt to protect itself. New bone is laid down within the joints, and as a result, mobility, pain, and inflammation are actually uh, exacerbated, and this process becomes a vicious cycle where it sort of worsens itself. Uh, at first, it starts with some decreased mobility. You can see they're slowing down. They're not as mobile as they used to be, not as nimble as they used to be. Maybe can't hop on the bed or the couch as effectively as before. Can't hop in the hatchback SUV as well as before. And little by little, you know, you just see that that uh, that increase. And um, we see this phenomenon more profoundly in our larger dogs, but eventually all dogs become arthritic at some point if they live long enough. So basically all, all arthritis means is inflammation of a joint. That's really all that t- terminology means. And osteoarthritis specifically refers to the deposition of cal- uh, calcium deposits within the joints, again, in the body's ill-fated attempt to protect itself. Uh, and, and so how do we mitigate that? Well, I think one of the important things that Kate had stressed was, well, what about younger dogs? What can we do for younger dogs? Well, I think that any dog over the age of three that is 35 pounds or heavier should be started on a good health, uh, joint health supplement. And, And when I say a good joint health supplement, I'm referring to something veterinary grade, not the stuff, you know, that you could just pick up randomly necessarily at a pet store because unfortunately the industry is not FDA regulated. There's nobody even checking to see if what these manufacturers are putting or claiming to be in the products are actually in the products. If they are in the products, are they packaged in a manner that they can be absorbed via digestion? You know, these are all big questions. And, and, you know, it's one of the reasons like products like glucosamine, chondroitin, MSM, the studies are all over the map. We have not actually proven that those things work. I do feel that anecdotally as a veterinarian over the past 20 years, I have seen these supplements work when used in a manner where they're coming from pharmaceuticals that have a reputation on the line that if they were found to be providing bogus product and proven, they can stand to lose a lot of business because the ones that I'm talking about also make other FDA regulated pharmaceuticals that we rely on and that would be very, very bad for them. And so I have a few products in mind that do have uh, good good integrity. But even with the good products, you know, glucosamine, chondroitin, MSM, um, you know, I haven't always seen them work, to be quite honest with you. So I think anecdotally, it's certainly worth a, tr- uh, a, a try, and there's no downside. These things are very, very safe. But as far as, you know, their true efficacy, I think it's going to vary from patient to patient, and, and part of that is absorbability. And so we'll get to some other things that we can do that sort of, circumvent digestion and take that variable out of the equation. But uh, some some of the products that I really like, um, Dasaquin is made by a company called Nutramax. Nutramax has a big reputation on the line. Dasaquin is, not, is unique because not only does it have the uh, glucosamine chondroitin and MSM, it also has essential fatty acids that are are in fact very proven Boy, the ducks are going nuts over there. <laughs> They're chasing each other around them. Again, I hope it's not too distracting, but no other place I could put them in, but in my home studio. Um, 
But yeah, the, the essential fatty acids we know are naturally anti-inflammatory uh, <clears throat> by, by the sense that they redirect inflammatory biochemical cascades. And rather than end in these immune messenger molecules that trigger inflammation within the joint, it sort of they create sort of a, a, a detour that leads to inert products that, that are non-reactive. And I would say the mother of all fatty acids that really are, 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 are the very best, and I'll get to this a little bit, in a little more detail in a bit, is omega-3 fatty acids. And, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll touch on that and, and how to obtain those and, and where to go. But yeah, just, just a, a, a good joint health supplement at the age of three, get that on board. You're being proactive. You're helping to uh, detour any inflammation that may already be occurring in those joints. You are providing glucosamine and chondroitin. So just to, to briefly explain what those things are, glucosamine is the base molecule for all of the connective tissues of the body. So joint capsules, ligaments, tendons, things of that nature, that's all built by glucosamine. That's the base molecule. So the theory behind it is that if we provide more of this stuff in the, in, in, in the form of the diet, then we can create more building blocks and better overall joint integrity as it pertains to ligaments, tendons, uh, joint capsules, and things of that nature. Chondroitin is the building block of cartilage. And so cartilage is very important because cartilage pads the joints. So, you know, there, there's, there's cartilaginous padding between uh, all the joints of the body with regard to joints that we call synovial joints that have joint fluid within them and protecting the integrity of that cartilage and and preventing it from breaking down is very important so again the theory behind chondroitin is that if we provide this building block we're going to provide a better ability for the body to resynthesize and and replenish damaged cartilaginous surfaces and that's a challenge because cartilage tendons ligaments all of these connective tissues they don't have really good blood supply. And and so I think that's part of the limitation of these products. But again, they can only help and not harm. Another popular one out there that I think has good integrity is Glycoflex. And um, there is a generic uh, called Tricox uh, Joint Shoes that is made by... Um, it, it's, it's a generic that's made by a distributor uh, called Covetris. And so... There's two major distributors that uh, veterinarians use to stock their shelves. One is Covetris. Uh, I do believe MWI, which is the other major one, has a Tricox equivalent. I use more Covetris. Uh, you know, both distributors are very good. I just, uh, I, I just found it easier to do business in my geographical location with Covetris at the moment. But you know, just you can ask your veterinarian. You know, can you hook me up with, uh, you know, distribution? Uh, or, or generic joint health supplementation from from your distributor, and they could point you in the right direction. So, so that's that's the first line is you know absolutely get these guys on a joint supplement. If you have a smaller dog under thirty five pounds, I'd probably be starting a joint health supplement around five. Let's not leave our kitty cats out of the equation. I love a product called Feline Joint Gel, which uh, you know our limitation with kitty cats is you know these things come in the form of treats. And, uh, you know, cats are finicky, some of them, about taking treats. And so therein lies our challenge to to supplement cats. Uh, 
So what we do with the kitty cats, at least in my clinics, is we, we like this product called joint gel that they just kind of lick right off your hand. Uh, you could also put it in their food. It is palatable to the majority of cats out there. Of course, if you can get 60% of cats to eat something, that is a huge success. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, that's where I would go with the kitty cats. And with the cats, they are a little bit more resistant to the effects of arthritis. You want to start them about eight years old. Okay. So point number two, don't let your animals be overweight. So Kate had touched on the fact that her dog is not under or, or overweight. And that's exactly what you want. Uh, that is the single best thing, honestly, you could do for any pet as far as staving off the onset and insidiousness of arthritis. But also, once they are arthritic, keeping them lean is the very best tool in your arsenal to combat it. You know, you have joints that are supporting a frame. The heavier that frame, the harder it's going to be on the joints. It's just very, very simple. So these folks that come in with these morbidly obese dogs and they're just basically wobbling in, they're like, my dog can't walk. Okay, well, you know, first step is we got to get this weight off, right? Don't be one of those. Uh, you know, there, there's no need to overfeed your dogs. There's no need to have them overweight. It doesn't make them any more happy to be fat than to be lean. My particular Labrador retriever, and I would say most labs out there, there's no amount of food I could feed her that's going to satiate her. So for me to overfeed her in this ill-fated, misguided love attempt to make her happy, that's not the way to do it. <laughs> it's like, there's, there's no, there's, she's got like the, 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 the bottomless pit void of hunger that I will never fulfill. So I'm just going to feed her what her body needs. And, you know, that's just the way it's going to be. So that's the sort of holistic side out of the gate uh, that we want to approach to protect these animals and be proactive weight management, supplementation at the ages that we talked about. So now let's fast forward. You've done your due diligence and the patient is now legitimately arthritic. You're seeing the slowdown. What do we do at this point? Do we just throw in some some anti-inflammatory medication? The answer is no. Um, I don't want to go right to that. There is a product out there called Adequan. Now Adequan, the studies are conclusive works. Uh, it, it started actually in racehorses and it's many years ago, many, many, many years ago, uh, predating uh, my tenure as a veterinarian and spilled over into the small animal side because it worked so well in horses. And uh, basically what, what Adequan is, it's in it, I guess the, the easiest way to put it, it's injectable glucosamine, but in a different form. So if you look at most of uh, glucosamine and or conjointin supplementation that's taken orally, there's MSM uh, in those products. And the reason there's MSM there is because MSM does nothing for the joints directly, but what it does is it provides sulfur. And the active forms of the chondroitin and glucosamine molecules are sulfated. They need sulfur to be active, and the MSM in these products provides that. So you'll see chondroitin sulfate and glucosamine sulfate. Well, what Adequan is, it's this is a mouthful, polysulfated glycosaminoglycan. And essentially what polysulfated glycosaminoglycan is, is it's glucosamine in a simpler uh, injectable form that's polysulfated. So it's an active molecule already, and it's taken by injection, and that way you're guaranteed to not lose anything in digestion. So I think before starting anti-inflammatory therapy, these are drugs that can be very helpful. Many of them are quite safe. 
and I have many patients that are on these things, but you know they do have potential paybacks to the stomach, uh, liver, and kidneys. So you know I also want to do monitoring blood work on those guys, so it could be a cost savings as well to just take the next level of implementation of holistic management, which would be Adequan injections. So essentially, you start with two injections per week, and then uh, you do that for four weeks. That's what's called the loading phase, and then you back that off to one injection per month. If you are uh, perhaps a person who is comfortable, maybe have worked in the industry before, or ready, you know, willing to learn how to give an injection, um, I have many many owners that actually just purchase the vial from me, so they're not paying an injection fee all the time. Um, and they can just purchase the vial, which saves them a lot of money, and they can do those injections at home. We give them like one or two uh, training tutorial visits to show them how to give the injection, and they just give it at home. Others have no interest in injecting their dogs, and that's fine. Just come into my office, and then we'll do it that way. But either way, Adequan works, and and that make that may be able to you know that alone get you through the next one to two years, and you know uh, you're 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 keeping your dog comfortable virtually no side effects and uh, life can be very good for these patients and, and you're not having to give them drugs. The next level uh, of holistic management, I would then introduce, let's say the Adequan and the oral supplementation of the, the, um, the joint supplements are not, are not keeping the patient comfortable. The next level I would move to is therapy laser. So specifically, what, it, what is therapy laser? It is actually an LED, uh, it's, it's often called cold laser because it doesn't emit much heat. There's just a warmth to it and a little bit of a vibration, but um, you, you think of lasers, you think of you know heat, burning, things like that, but this is nothing like that. This is actually uh, very innocuous, and, and you actually, because you're often hitting trigger points, you see the, the animals start to relax as you're doing the, the LED treatments, but what the LED laser does is it penetrates that energy into the tissue and essentially wakes it up. Um, so you're, you're actually activating with the laser the body's own intrinsic healing mechanism. So specifically, what is that? The process is called photobiomodulation. And with photobiomodulation, uh, penetrating about, if you have a good laser, you're penetrating about, I would say, a centimeter or more deep into the tissues. That could be muscle, that could be joints, that could be the spine um, in case of, you know, intervertebral disc issues. And what we're doing is, is several things. So first off, it's vasodilating. So it's going to dilate blood vessels. So on the arterial side, so that's blood coming from the heart, you're bringing in healing cells called fibroblasts. And fibroblasts come in and sort of they, they, they clean up the area and they, they lay uh, healthy connective tissue to stabilize an area. Uh, secondly, the, the, you're, you're bringing in um, inflammatory mediators that are going to help to gobble up some of the inflammatory um, cascades that are occurring and just make a, a, a much more dynamic physiological process going on that's not going to clog and become stagnant. On the venial side, which is this is blood going away from the tissues and towards the heart and lungs for reoxygenation, and on the lymphatic side, what we're doing is draining off just inflammatory products and debris, um, and, and that can be very, very helpful in reducing inflammation, just getting all those biochemical inflammatory mediators out of there. So bringing in fresh healing cells, essentially, draining away um, troubling inflammatory mediators that clog inflamed areas.
So that's on the blood vessel side. On the endorphin side, what is happening with the laser is you're triggering uh, what are called uh, endorphin trigger points. So what are endorphins? Endorphins are basically the body's own intrinsic pain relievers. It's what gives people the runners high. So I know when I go running, I'm miserable my first mile. But then as I'm going and, you know, my cardiovascular system's kicking in and I'm getting into my stride, suddenly I start to feel good. Suddenly I start to feel even euphoric. Things don't hurt as much. Of course, I'm warmed up. But what's mediating a lot of that is is my body's own intrinsic endorphins. So with the laser, you are basically triggering not just local, but systemic endorphins that are going to just naturally provide a pain relieving effect for the patient. And then, you know, as far as the... Uh, you know, I talked about just now trigger points as far as release of endorphins, but we also have what are called meridian points or trigger points with regard to acupuncture. So to some degree, there's an acupuncture-like effect where you're hitting these meridians in the body that increase nerve conduction. And uh, we already talked about blood supply, but nerve conduction is huge. You bring in more nerve impulse to an area, you're going to stimulate healing. That's just uh, the, the long and short of it. So all of these things combined with therapy laser in a very magical way, and we don't do it in lieu of the previous things we talked about. It's just another layer of holistic management that helps us to stave off the drugs, the medications. So that might get us the next you know, year and a half, two years of relief, depending on how large the patient is, how old the patient is, what their individual confirmation is. Some dogs, from a musculoskeletal point of view, are just not born great, so you might need to you know, intervene with these things sooner than, than other dogs that just have sort of your average confirmation and no, no mitigating anatomical concerns that we sometimes see with like bulldogs and bassets and, you know, our, what we call chondrodystrophic breeds. So now we're, we're, we're going down the path where, okay, well, we, we've engaged in all this great holistic stuff. So what's the next step? Well, now it's time to break out some anti-inflammatory. Um, there are some options out there, and uh, you know I'm just going to be perfectly honest with you what my preferences are. I'm going to treat you as if you're my client sitting in the exam room, and I'm going to tell you exactly the direction I think would be best to go in the anti-inflammatory world. So specifically what we're talking about is NSAID, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drug, NSAID. An example of that on the human side, and I want to preface before I say these things, don't ever, ever give your dog human NSAIDs, but what we can get on the NSAID level over the counter is like ibuprofen, uh, we can get naproxen, which is especially toxic to dogs, safe for people, but especially toxic to dogs, and we can get aspirin. I think those were probably the three most well-known NSAIDs on the human side. On the canine side, we have meloxicam, we have Prevacox, we have uh, I'm trying to conjure up, uh, we have Rimadil, we have, um, and I'll get to, into the generics of these things, but um, there's one that I haven't used in a very long time, starts with a D, I can't remember it offhand, but I'll get back to you uh, when it comes back to me. But the, the three main players are Prevacox, Meloxicam, and Rimadil. And Rimadil has gone generic, so let's just talk about Rimadil in the uh, generic sense, which is Carprofen. So same family as ibuprofen. Interestingly, carprofen is toxic to people. Ibuprofen is toxic to dogs, but in the other respective species, they seem to work just fine and and are generally pretty safe. So what are we doing with these 
uh, NSAIDs. Specifically, they are what are called COX-2 sparing anti-inflammatories. They're inhibiting an enzyme called COX, C-O-X, and specifically it's COX-1. COX-1 is the main inflammatory mediator within joints that causes inflammation and pain. COX-2, though, on the other hand, we want to spare COX-2 because COX-2 is an enzyme that actually protects tissues, specifically protects liver, kidney, and uh, stomach, GI in general. So, so we like COX-2, we don't like COX-1. So we want to inhibit COX-1 while sparing COX-2. And the, the, the funny thing is that, you know, it's the same thing on the human side, but even with these later generations of anti-inflammatories that we've been using very commonly, there's going to be some collateral um, inhibition of COX-2, which is why we could potentially in some patients start to see uh, some issues with their stomach, uh, with their with their intestines, potentially their liver, potentially their kidneys. So that's not without potential paybacks. I will say, though, don't let your dog suffer. Let's let's go to that next echelon of of therapy and, and let's just be careful about it, though. So if we're going to engage in these medications, let's do, you know, some monitoring blood work once every six weeks or six weeks, six months or so to make sure that we're not harming anything. And certainly the first sign of GI distress, stop treatment and let your, your vet know. Me personally, I feel like I have the most success with meloxicam. I also like meloxicam because for the bigger dogs, it's available in the human form where you can actually, I could call it into any pharmacy and it's like $6 a month to keep your dog on it. But to dose the the pill forms, you know, because they're a human drug, primarily you would, you would really need to um, have a larger dog. <laughs> so, so for the little guys though, there is a suspension uh, of meloxicam. It's like a fruity like suspension uh, under the brand Medicam, but I believe there's some generics now, and you just dose that once a day, and it can be very, very helpful in keeping them moving. Prevacox, I think, is a very good product, but you know, the the big the big sell on Prevacox made by uh, a company called BI Bowringer Ingelheim. The big the big sell on that was that well, it works better and it's safer than all the others out there. And what we've learned is that it's not any safer and not any better than what's out there. And, uh, you know, carprofen is, uh, you know, again, going to be up there as well as, as far as one of the ones that, you know, is, is one of the more prevalent ones out there. I do like it. It is generic now, so you can get it uh, less expensively. Prevacox is not generic. So in my opinion, you're paying a lot for Prevacox when uh, you would do just as well with carprofen or meloxicam. One thing I want to caution though is whatever you do, choose stick with it. Don't be mixing NSAIDs. That can be very, very costly to the gut. Uh, if we're going to try switching from one NSAID to another, you know, we can see what's called NSAID fatigue. So you've got your dog on one anti-inflammatory for like a year. It's been working great, but suddenly eh, the same effect you got a year ago isn't quite what it is now. You want to try something different. You want to do a three-day washout of no NSAID at all before switching to a new one. If we don't do the washout, we risk creating gastritis. Two NSAIDs together uh, can wreak havoc on the stomach. So just always be cognizant of that. Um, If your dog needs surgery and is on an NSAID, let your veterinarian know. You're going to want to stop that NSAID within three days of any surgical procedure not any surgical procedure, but any surgical procedure that there may be some significant hemorrhage. 
uh, because these medications can increase the tendency to bleed and bruise. So that's another thing I'd, I'd like to caution about the NSAIDs. But yeah, you give them with food, you, you do a, a, a blood profile once every every six months and you just watch the patient carefully. You know, we're, we're, we're doing our diligence and I got, oh God, scores and scores of patients on NSAIDs done safely and, and really it's done a lot to help their qualities of life. So as far as, as far as the, the next level of care that I would consider, and I did this with my own dog, is stem cell therapy. So what are stem cells? Stem cells are progenitor cells that can differentiate into any tissue type. So they're, they're base cells that can, they can turn into heart muscle, they can turn into uh, f- uh, cell, uh, connective tissue cells, they can, they can turn into anything, anything in your body. And when, if you recall, when you were a child, you healed much faster and, and, and much better than you do as an adult. And, and we'll, most of us will find as we you know, transition from adulthood into a seniorhood, it's, that even gets worse. And one of the biggest reasons for that is because our, our intrinsic stem cell populations get less and they also become far less active. So... Stem cell technology essentially is harvesting stem cells from the patient, sending them to a company that specializes in amplifying those stem cells and then sending us back suspensions that we can inject directly into inflamed and damaged joints and then also give intravenously so that those stem cells can go on a seek and repair mission throughout the entirety of the patient. And that doesn't just include the musculoskeletal system, that includes kidneys, that includes liver, you know, anything that might have some compromise could potentially benefit from stem cell infusion. So how do we get stem cells? Well, traditionally, when the technology first came out, uh, it required a minor surgical procedure. The stem cells would be harvested typically from uh, the back of the latissimus dorsi. So if you're looking at the patient standing up, there is sort of a little fat pad be- behind the latissimus dorsi, behind the elbow uh, of the front leg, and that fat pad is a nice place where we can get some fat, and fat has, uh, compared to other tissues, much richer, richer stores of stem cells, and so we send off the fat, gets processed by, you know, there's a few companies out there that do it, um, and then those stem cells come back to us within, you know, usually three business days, they're shipped cold, and then we inject them into the patient. When we inject, we're usually just doing sedation, but for the harvest of the fat from the patient, it does require a brief general anesthesia. So you're looking at an anesthesia, minor surgical procedure, and then we inject into the patient. What we have left over post-injection, we then uh, just infuse intravenously, as I discussed. So that's how it traditionally has been, but newer technology is, has made the process even easier and less invasive for the patient. So the, the, the company that I use actually has the ability to, with a very substantial blood draw, <laughs> uh, actually pull the stem cells right out of systemic circulation. So it requires like, you know, several vials of blood. Uh, you know, you have an 80-pound dog. It's usually about one vial. I forget exactly how, milliliter, how many milliliters per vial, but it's one vial of blood per 10 pounds of body weight. So you have an 80-pound dog, you need eight vials. You have a 20-pound dog, you need two vials. And so to sit still for a blood draw that long, sometimes I'll give like a mild sedative to the patient, but you know, we generally don't need to uh, you know, break out major sedation to get it done for a reasonably cooperative patient. 
Uh, there's the occasional patient I gotta, you know, kind of knock out a little bit, but we're not talking anesthesia uh, for this. We get the blood draw, and then we, we send it off, and within one to three business days, I get it back. Then I sedate the patient, inject into the joints directly, um, and then whatever's left over again, infuse into systemic circulation. I did actually two of those treatments on my last Labrador Retriever um, at Dr. Roger Holistic Vet. Uh, if you go to my YouTube channel, you can see the process and, and how it was done. Uh, my dog's name was Bernie. He's no longer with me, but I really believe you know all of these things that I'm telling you today were integral in keeping him with me and with good quality for probably three years longer than he would have otherwise had uh, by implementing all of these things. There is one medication out there that I forgot to mention. It's called gabapentin. Uh, gabapentin is interesting because it, it's got a ton of uses in medicine. I won't get into all the uses, but one of them is pain that is derived of, from neurological origin. So if we have like back pain from a compressive disc injury or we have nerve pain from, uh, like in cats, we can see this condition called hyperesthesia where they have pain over their back uh, just from inflamed nerves. Uh, in people, you'll see gabapentin is used for diabetic nerve pain in the legs. It's pretty common. Well, in dogs, you know, we really like it for, for neurological origin pain as well. But what we've learned is that it, it does have some benefit to helping dogs with osteoarthritis as well. Um, you know, it, it just makes sense that where, where does the pain sensation come from? It comes from pain receptors called nociceptors. They're picked up by the nerves and the nerves then travel that or, or transmit that information to the brain and you, you get the sensation of pain. So nerves are involved. It's not directly nerve pain, but nerves are involved in the transmission of the pain. So it does make sense that gabapentin would have some mitigating effect on that. I find that gabapentin alone is not going to be overwhelming for osteoarthritis, but it will serve as a really good ancillary treatment for, you know, helping out whatever NSAID you choose. So let's say your dog's on meloxicam, Prevacox, or Carprofen, you give, you safely give gabapentin along with that. It can, it can be helpful to sort of synergize because it works in a very different mechanism. Um, sorry, I forgot to mention that when we were talking about pharmaceutical help. There is a newer generation of anti-inflammatories that are different. They're not COX inhibitors, and so we're loving the safety of them. Uh, they, they specifically block a biochemical immune messenger molecule at the level of the tissue called a prostaglandin. And on the canine side, there's a product called Galliprant, G-A-L-L-I-P-R-A-N-T. And on the feline side, there's Onsior. Um, I will tell you, I've been a little bit underwhelmed with the efficacy of Galliprant. I've tried it. Uh, I, I gave it its due diligence. I do love the safety of it, but... I can't say I've been all that impressed with it in terms of its ability to, to make these patients significantly more comfortable. Now, on the feline side, we cannot use COX inhibitors. We can really beat up those cats uh, systemically by using NSAIDs of the traditional sense. But the prostaglandin inhibitor on the feline side called Onsior, O-N-S-I-O-R, I've been phenomenally happy with. Its FDA labeling is uh, three days post-op for post-operative pain, which I've loved it for, but um, they've not gone back for the FDA labeling for long-term use as far as I know, but what we've learned in the literature and 
uh, just based on continuing education information that we've gathered is that it actually is quite safe for long-term use, but it's used in an extra label fashion. So extra label meaning that it's going to be outside of the labeling of the FDA. FDA labeling changes are very expensive. They take time. It's like going back to the drawing board and you're going through the FDA trials again. And some companies don't do it. They just say, you know what? The original label stands, but here's all the extra label information we have on this drug and go ahead and go with it. And I have found that cats that are arthritic can do phenomenally well on once a day on CR. And not only does it help these cats, it also is quite, quite, quite safe. So that's osteoarthritis in a nutshell. Kate, thank you so much for your contribution. Folks, keep these emails coming. I just love listener-inspired episodes because really, who's in the trenches? Who's there experiencing the health issues of their animals? Or, or it doesn't even need to be a health issue. It could be an ethical issue. It could be a training issue. Whatever it is, you're the ones dealing with your furry family member. And so hearing from you directly lets me know what's really relevant to you. What do you want to hear about? And, and getting these listener emails just enables me to make everything relevant. So thank you, Kate, for your contribution. Thank you, everyone, for taking the time to listen to me. As I always say, it's so just so humbling and, and wonderful that so many people take the time to listen because it shows me that so many people care about their pets and uh, care what little old me has to say about them. Have a great one, everyone. We'll see you next. Well, we will. You will hear me next Thursday. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.